Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. Maybe you've had those um, lucid moments of conversation via text. I got an interesting text from a client last night, almost 11 o'clock at night. We'd had conversation going back and forth, and I got this very interesting text. It said, what's your phone number? Hmm. Didn't you just send me a text to my phone? Because <laughs> that's probably the phone number you might want to call me on if it's the same conversation we've been having back and forth. But but tell me if you've had this. <clears throat> you've had that, that conversation where you send a message that you know might be a little challenging in the conversation, maybe a little, a little stretch of the relationship, a little poke of the relationship, and you see those three dots show up in the text message or even in a Facebook message or a, however you're communicating with them and you see those three little dots show up. And it's just the three dots. And 30 seconds later, it's still just the three dots. And two minutes later, it's still just the three dots. And you're thinking to yourself, either they are writing the longest reply message in the history of reply messages, or <clears throat> they're deleting what they've written and they're starting over again, which is going to be really, really bad. See, leaders know the value of an eye-to-eye -eye conversation without the devices in the way, without the brain mouth filter or the keyboard filter or the, hey, all nine of y'all come over here and proofread this email over my shoulder before I fire it off to the boss. Leaders know the value of a real human-to-human -human conversation, and that's what I want to talk about today on Leading Leaders. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And yesterday I had kind of a cool experience. I just went to have lunch by myself on the town square here in this magnanimous, enormous metropolitan area of Granbury, Texas. I, the whole county is like 60,000 people. Uh, there's more people than that in Denton County or well, half in Denton. There's more people than that in the city of Denton. We're not talking about a metropolis. What we are talking about, though, is a town where you can have a conversation with a human. And I walked in and ordered a burger and I sat down at the bar and I waited for the crowd to chill out. And I was reading my book and waiting for my hamburger and struck up a conversation with the bartender, who was also the server, who was also cleaning the kitchen and cutting up all the veggies and fruits for the night. Turned out to be quite the conversation. In fact, I had a couple of guys that walked into the bar to order a beer. One sat and had one beer, engaged in a conversation while he was there, finished his beer and left. Another sat at another table, but engaged in the conversation the bartender and I were having from across the room, finished his first beer, came to the bar and ordered a second beer, sat down next to me. We had another conversation. Another came in with a group of missionaries to have lunch. Ended up talking with him for almost half an hour as well. And it's really fascinating when you, when you take the phone out of the conversation, <laughs> when you can look somebody in the eye, when you can chat with them about what's going on for real, and you can like read their eyebrows and their eye and see when they're gazing off somewhere else while you're saying something of great importance to them. When, when they turn away and, and find something busy to do for the next 30 seconds while they think about an answer. It's pretty fascinating. It's a fascinating thing to watch. And when you put that into the play of, of human psychology, you also have to ask the question, 
with all these devices that we have floating around in the marketplace, laptops and iPads and cell phones and desktop computers and satellites and games that now communicate with each other. And my boys play various games. My grandkids play games on their DSs and other games where they can actually chat with each other. They can have a conversation in the game. They don't have a text message system. They don't use Facebook Messenger. They don't use any of that. But within the game, they have dialogue. Sometimes with their headphones on, they have whispering conversations in the middle of the game with somebody on the other end. Do you ever wonder who that is? Do you ever wonder what that conversation is like? Have you noticed that AI is now mocking humans, mimicking humans, modeling humans, replacing humans in some places and in conversations where you think you're talking to another human and you're not? I saw a Facebook prank just yesterday. <clears throat> I guess it was Facebook, may have been on TikTok, who knows? But it was a prank where a high school student sent a text message to her teacher and said, uh, the students are supposed to be out today. Thank you, Donald Trump. And the teacher replied and said, ha ha, very funny. Whoever this is, you better get your butt to class. And so the prankster used an AI development tool, typed in the words that she wanted the voice of Donald Trump to say, and sent an audio message back to the teacher, calling the teacher by name, specifically mentioning the class, and that they were supposed to be out. So in the teacher's mind, Mr. Trump actually called her and said, the students are not supposed to be in class today. I still think you got to be pretty gullible to be a teacher who listens to a message on your phone and thinks that the former president of the United States would call you directly to tell your students not to be in class. That seems a little far-fetched to me, but if the authenticity of the voice is valid enough, it's hard to ignore a voice of that magnitude to say, yeah, we're not going to do this. Could have been the school principal. Could have been the superintendent. Could have been the mayor. You never know. But when the voice sounds like somebody you know and the conversation sounds like something important, it's hard to dismiss right away. It's really hard to dismiss when you're face-to-face, eye-to-eye, knee-to-knee, nose-to-nose, and you can read the body language. You can hear the intonations. You can see the eyes roll back in their head as you say something ridiculous or dart around in different directions as they're looking for the right answer and they're not sure where to find it. It's, it's really kind of cool. You should try it sometime, just you know, having conversations face-to-face. Leaders understand that there's a valuable tool for that. I remember working in corporate America for many, many years. And I, I remember the number of times that I would pop by somebody's desk to try to have a conversation with them. And they might say, hey, I was just about to go grab a drink at the coffee shop. Do you want to walk down with me? And in the time it took for the two of us to make our way to the elevator, take the elevator ride down, walk across the lobby to get to the cafe, have our coffee and walk back to our desk, maybe 20 or 30 minutes of time away from the desk, We saved 75,000 emails, 1,500 other interruptions, and five days worth of delay of bureaucratic paperwork. In fact, most of the time, that 30-minute conversation got more work done than all the emails I would fire off in the course of a day. If I could actually pick up the phone and call a colleague in another state and talk to a a general sales manager or a regional sales manager and say, hey, this is what we need to do. Here's how this is going to work. We would get it done. I can also remember, though, getting on those phone calls where there would be 60 people on the phone call and we'd all have our headsets on 
and I could see the people in the cubicles immediately around me. Everybody with their headsets on, everybody on mute, everybody rolling their eyes back, falling out of their chairs backwards, jumping up and down. Nobody on the other end knew how they were reacting to the ridiculousness that we were hearing on the call, except the people in the immediate cubes around them. And we were all looking at each other like, did he really just say that? Did they really plan to pull that off? Have they lost their marbles? But see, when you can sit around the table with each other and have a conversation with each other and read the body language and see the eye movement, there's so much more value in that conversation. I love it in this little town. I'll walk across the square to have a cup of coffee in the morning and maybe take a book with me or take my Bible with me and just sit there and read and listen and observe people and their interactions with each other their frustrations and their joys, their just real life. And it's not like Starbucks where the world has gone to put their headphones on and put their head down and ignore everybody. No, these are barbershop style conversations. These are, hey, did you notice they, they put up construction on that highway? I wonder what they're building out there. Hey, did you notice they're, they're building in this new platform on this corner? I, I, I hadn't heard anything about it. Do you know? Oh, yeah, I was talking to so-and-so down at the bank. They said they're going to do this there. See, that's how things happen, those conversations with people, those real relationships with people, and leaders value those things. I want to challenge you as a leader. If you're the kind of person who hides behind your devices, you only send a message after you've written it and rewritten it and proofread it 15 times. Oh, trust me. Trust me. I, I know the danger of the blind carbon copy. And I, I know the threats of the reply all. And I know the fear that you've typed it all and hit send without proofreading it. And then you realize, holy cow, I did not mean to say that. I, I've screenshotted conversations that I was having with someone and intending to send them to somebody else for their review and actually send it back to the person that I screenshotted it with. Only to have them ask you, why, why are you screenshotting this conversation? What about it? And, and they took offense and it didn't work out well. I've also had screenshots where I send it to my wife and I'm like, what do you think of this? And I realize the way I perceive or the way I'm reading that conversation is entirely different. Well, there's probably wisdom in taking a moment to proofread what you're about to send to probably not hit reply all because you don't know who all's on that or you didn't think through the what words you were going to say. It's probably better to have somebody edit and proofread those things of significant magnitude. But I can tell you about half of the problems that we have in digital communication would be solved with a little face-to-face -face communication. If you weren't hiding behind those things, perhaps you'd have a different relationship with the people. Now, I understand sometimes you just don't have a choice. They're in another place. They're in another state. You don't have that kind of access. The best you can do is an email. I still think conversation is great. FaceTime, perhaps. Now, I can tell you, too, I've recently heard about FaceTime being used by AI. Have you seen the video? Um, it's been floating around on social media in multiple forms of the conversation between former Presidents Obama and former President Trump and current President Joe Biden. But they're talking about hunting or fishing or camping or something. And the video looks like a very real conversation between them, the eye movements, the reactions, the whole thing. And it's probably footage that was cut from something else, but they've done a great job, AI has, of moving the lips to sound like, to look like, to 
portray the movement of the actual words that you're hearing. And the voices, they, they sound just like the characters that you're looking at. They call it a deep fake. It's really hard to deep fake someone you can touch right in front of you. It's really hard to deep fake that person who can't avoid the eye contact of the question that they're really not sure they want to answer you. It's really hard to deep fake the emotional response to things that might get a little bit heated. Now, if you find yourself in a place where you're thinking, my communication skills are not good enough. I am the dot, dot, dot person that starts a reply and has to delete it and start over and delete it and start over and rewrite it and ask five people to chime in on it before I send it because I'm not confident enough in the way that I communicate. Well, there's there's classes for that. Story Power Masterclass would be a good class for that. It's six hours. It's intense. But if you've ever asked the question, how do I answer that question? Let me tell you, there's no better way to answer a complicated question than with the story of your own experience. But it can't be a three-day story. It can't be a soap opera or a monologue or a soliloquy. It can't be a memoir. It needs to be a moment in time where you learn the lesson. Makes for some of the best conversations in the world. I was talking to the bartender who told me about their past experiences and how leaving home, mom and dad have a lot of money. <laughs> mom and dad said, you're going to have to figure this out on your own. And after a little stint in college and a couple of other jobs and a couple of moving around, bartender found themselves homeless, living in a car. Wasn't that mom and dad didn't have the money to help. Mom and dad just had a very strict rule on you do all you can and we'll make up the gap. Well, took some time, took a minute, but got back on track. The bartender said, I, I found out that once I started applying myself, I could do things completely differently and a whole lot better. And the job that I was so passionate about, turns out doesn't pay so well. So now I'm bartending and going back to school. And I thought to myself, you know, bartending is not the lifetime career, but if you can make a couple of grand in a weekend and spend the rest of the week in school, not a bad stop either. Also working on their real estate license, not a bad stop either. But see, you find those things out in a conversation. Let me ask you, how much of that detail, how much of that information, how much of that insight and knowledge would I have gotten from the bartender via text? If I made an online order, dashed in the door, grabbed my food and taken it somewhere else to eat, what would I know that I don't know? Sometimes it's the conversation at the coffee shop, the barber shop, the grocery store line, the park, the dog park that changes the perception that you have of people around you. Sometimes it's walking down the hall instead of sending an email. It's having a conversation with somebody face to face and reading their body language and getting involved in what's going on in their world. And when you ask a question and you see a tear appear and you think to yourself, if I'd sent a text and asked the same question, if I'd sent an email and asked the same question, would I understand the importance of the answer? Probably not. Because humans hide really well behind digital devices. The ability to communicate with somebody face-to-face -face takes a little bit of moxie, takes some bravery, takes some concern, takes some compassion, takes climbing down out of your ivory tower for a minute and realizing that sometimes the people you lead, most of, all of the time, the people that you lead are humans. They got issues. They have family life or no family. They've got bills to pay problems to solve, issues to address, drama to live through. 
And if you think that just an email, just a Facebook message, just a text message, just a WhatsApp message is enough to penetrate all of that and get to the humanity of who they are so that they will do what you want them to do or hear what you want them to hear, I think you're underestimating the influence of your leadership. But if you can lead heart to heart, hand to hand, eye to eye, you can make an enormous amount of difference. I'm not sure where John Maxwell get it, but he says it often. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. All the pedantic conversation in the world means nothing to someone who doesn't feel like you genuinely care about them as a human. And there is no better way to do that than in a face-to-face, heart-to-heart, genuine conversation. Take the time as a leader today, especially your key people, the people you have direct influence over, who make direct decisions in their life because of your input, and have a face-to-face conversation with them. Even if you have to do it over FaceTime or over text or over that Z product, take the time to do that. It's worth it. They're worth it. You're worth it. And leaders know that there is nothing like a face-to-face human conversation without devices in between you. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. Hi, my name is Christina Knowles, and I just got done taking Jay Lauren's Story Power Masterclass. It was amazing. I took away so much information. Um, One of the things that I really enjoyed being formally trained in media many, many years ago is the call to action. I will use that with every speaking engagement, and I'm so grateful that Lauren just um, spoke truth into his teachings, and he is a true professional. And I know this might sound weird, but I've been taking certifications in different classes over the years, and Lauren is not boring. I can't even believe I got here at nine, and then the class went by so fast that I was like, it's time to go already? And I was shocked that it was time to go already. So it's an awesome class. You're going to enjoy it, I promise. Lauren is a master teacher on storytelling, and I learned so much. Um, I'm really going to have to sit down and go back through everything, and I think I might have to have some more coffees with Lauren, but uh, it was totally worth my time.